HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Egg Restaurant, located at 109 North 3rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. For more information, visit eggrestaurant.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Did you make a resolution to have a better life, maybe eat better, maybe be healthy-ish? If you did, this episode of Tech Bites is for you. Well, good morning, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. It is 11 a.m. I'm sitting in Bushwick, Brooklyn, in a shipping container in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza. And that tells me it's time for Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology with some of the people making that food tech. Today is episode 85. We'll be talking about women in media and a brand spanking new website called Healthyish from Bon Appetit magazine and Condé Nast that launched this week on Tuesday, so a mere 48 hours ago. Very exciting. And with us to talk about that is Amanda Shapiro, who is the Healthyish editor. Hello. Hi, thanks for coming out. I'm so happy to be here. It's exciting. It's I'm excited to talk about news in practically real time. Yeah breaking news. <laughs> Although for the internet, I feel like 48 hours could potentially be a lifetime, but it's still <laughs> this week. I feel we're still current. The, um, it's still in launch mode. Yeah, definitely still in launch mode. And it feels like it was an hour ago. I don't know. Time is a little bit fuzzy right now. So <laughs> that's okay. Well, it's also a little cloudy. So maybe you haven't, it's been terrible weather here. Yeah. So we will start off, before we dig too much into Healthy-ish, we'll start off like we always do, going around the shipping container, talking about apps that we love, old favorites, new ones we've discovered, and we will hear from David Tatashore, our engineer and Heritage Radio Network studio manager, who we missed last week. Did you miss me? We did miss you, because you were out on the West Coast doing the Good Food Awards, right? I was, yeah. It was a blast out there. I'd never been to San Francisco, actually. So Ever? No, first time. Wow. Yeah, I've been to L.A. a few times, but uh, and like the Central Coast, but this is my first time in Northern California. 
So what did you think of San Francisco? It was cool. I liked, I liked visiting. I don't know that, you know, it's like whenever you go somewhere, you're evaluating whether you'd want to live there or not. And I don't know if I'd want to live there. Mm, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I spent a f- couple years commuting back and forth from San Francisco to New York. And yeah, I commuting? like Yeah, I like New York better. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's your app? Um, so my app is also, um, well, it's, it's a search engine. It's called duck, duck, go, um, duck, duck, go. So it's not just a standalone app. You can also, um, install it as a plugin in like Chrome or, or whatever your browser of choice is on your desktop. But, um, it's basically a search engine that doesn't track you and I'm, you know, Maybe a little, not that I'm doing anything illegal, but, you know, just concerned about uh, the state of the world these days. The state of the world these days, yes, a lot of concern around that and a lot of concern about how our digital lives leave footprints and everything all over the place. I, I feel like what we believe is happening vis a vis media and news is probably only 7% of what is actually happening right. in the world in terms of what the programs do, what your phone can do, what different um, orgs and entities and departments can do in terms of you know tabulating, tracking, and keeping your information. Yeah. So, okay, DuckDuckGo, it's sort of a stealth search engine, so you can search in private? Yeah, I mean, they just... they. At least they claim not to be storing your personal data the way that Google does. Okay. <laughs> Food for thought. <laughs> Amanda, do you have an app that you really like right now? Yeah, I've got a couple. I guess uh, one I, I do use a lot these days is uh, called the 12-Minute Workout. Um, it's a app. It's a free app, and you can upgrade for more options. But um, it's just these like super fast, super intense twelve or sixteen minute workouts that you can do. You know, you can select like I have a, I have weights, I have a medicine ball, I have a thing to jump on, or like I have none of these things, and I just want to do it with my body because I'm in my backyard or my basement or something. And uh, so you can kind of customize to what you feel like doing and then you're done in 15 minutes or or less so uh i don't have a lot of time to work out and it's been uh it's made me feel like i can get it out in a shorter amount of time um so efficiency and flexibility yeah Yeah. where do you where do you typically work out at home before you go when you come back in your office yeah well i want to get one of those uh big yoga ball big chair things yeah or a standing desk is very popular yeah i kind of have a diy standing desk now we have little ledges above our desks and i can put my we have laptops you know so i can put my laptop up there and and stand there and uh, i'm pretty tall so it lets me see over the whole office and like you know kind of get that uh Bird's eye view? Yeah, it's a great way to work, actually, you know, to be able to be standing. And if you need to look out into the distance, you can instead of just kind of staring at a wall all the time. Do you, how long have you been doing the 12-minute workout? Almost a year. Is that, yeah, pretty close. I don't do it. It's not the only thing I do. But it really, like, freed me from this idea that you have to go and spend, like, an hour at the gym to be, you know, healthy for example <laughs> so the 12 minute workout makes you healthy-ish exactly it's a great compromise compromise or realistic perhaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean part of what 
all of the, you know, efficiency, motivation people say is having goals and schedules that are realistic and doable and attainable are much better for you than something that's pie in the sky that you'll never do. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea that like, you can't, you don't have to, you can't chase perfection, you know, and you have to just 12 minutes is all you have. Do 12 minutes. Don't do nothing. (laughs) Great. There's also the six minute workout. Yes. That is something I'm maybe dubious about, but um, I would give it a go. Is it? It's a New York Times. New York Times, New York Times article. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of people who use it. I, I've not ever used it myself, but yeah. maybe it's worth looking if you get really busy, right? To see if you can shave that twelve minutes down down to, to six. six. Yeah, that's that's a good plan. <laughs> see how low you can go. Maximum efficiency. Yeah. So my app this week is actually something I discovered on a post from one of my fellow HRN hosts. That's DJ Cherish the Love. Cynthia Cherish Marlon. Uh, she hosts a show later today on Thursdays at 6 p.m. called Primary Food. And on her social media feed, I think it was in Facebook, she mentioned a bunch of things that she was doing to clean up her digital footprint online and in social media. And she called out a couple of apps. She called out an app called Cleaner, which helps you go through and clean up your Instagram feed, both in terms of people you follow and followers, and then your photos as well. And when I was checking that out, which is great, I also came across a compendium, a couple of compendium apps, also cleaners, but to triage your contact lists, it'll go through and look for duplicate contacts and clean those up and clean out different, you know, apps and listings that you have. So I thought that was a great idea. That's something cleaning up your social media at the beginning of the year or every now and again is always a great idea. And I always do it manually, which is takes a lot of time. And then now that we can sync all of our address books and contacts and it, you know, most of the phones and programs create new contacts almost instantaneously, you know, have like 15,000 contacts, but really only like a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Marie Kondo in your digital life. Exactly. Yes. I wonder if there's a Marie Kondo app. I bet there is. I don't know. She's very tactile. She is. Yeah. She's such a brand now though. You can't, I can't imagine she wouldn't, but I bet it doesn't clean up your digital life. I bet it just kind of helps you execute. We'll have to investigate that. A Marie Kondo digital app. I know that she has created some sort of seminar and program to have people be accredited Marie Kondo people. Yeah. I heard that too. To be sort of teaching and talking and seminaring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fascinated by it, but I've never done, I've I've never done it. One of the little known facts about uh, Marie Kondo that I read in an article is that the proposal for her book was something that she did in a book publishing workshop. Interesting. In like a day? Uh, Over a a short, short period of time. But she worked on the, she did the ideas like a book proposal workshop. Yeah. Yeah. And then now is New York Times bestseller. Still, I'm sure. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Lots of, uh, so the app world, with the exception of David, who just wants to do everything in stealth, is all about sort of utilizing technology to clean up you know, get up, work out, all those kinds of things, which dovetails nicely into healthy-ish. So as I said at the top of the show, healthy-ish, 
launched on Tuesday of this week. It's the newest brand from Bon Appetit and Condé Nast. It's an online digital property for now. Um, is there a print component planned at some point? No. Um, healthy-ish, usually the first uh, issue of Bon Appetit every year is kind of healthy-ish themed, and that's been going on for a while now. So they'll probably, we'll probably continue to do that as a standalone issue. Um, so that'll be the print component, and then yeah. it'll just live exclusively online. Exactly. So the it's an interesting idea. The idea is basically, you know, as Amanda said earlier, you know, it's really hard to drive for perfection. Everybody wants to eat better, healthier, more efficiently, more interesting, easier economically, better for the planet. You know, there's a long, long list of things that we want our food choices to do for us in the world. It's kind of hard to hit them all, but you can hit maybe most of them or some of them incrementally and be healthier and healthy-ish. So I think that's the premise. Yeah, yeah. There's really a, um, there's just, like you said, there's so many different ways that people want to eat better and what better means, you know, is so subjective. Um, and so we really didn't want to have a site that was all about saying eat less meat or, um, you know, eat more organic or don't eat carbohydrates or something like there was, there was never this idea that we wanted to be about any one kind of eating. We just want to be about delicious food and the idea that, um, healthy food can and should always be delicious. Um, that, you know, you can be into, into wellness and into that, you know, very trendy lifestyle right now and not have to like give up going out or entertaining or cooking delicious meals that you and your, you know, partner and your whole family will still want to eat. Um, and to note one of the, uh, leading articles in the first, I wouldn't call it edition, but the, the, the launch articles is how to eat meat and not feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you're not ready or don't have any interest in giving up meat entirely, um, here are some better choices. Here's just some options. Maybe you hadn't thought about, um, you know, not everybody has access to venison or guinea hen necessarily, but if you say, Buffalo. yeah, if you do like, here's some ways to use it. It also seems there's a, um, an initial, a, a lot of talk about wellness, um, self-care. You have a couple stories about, you know, one is a, a list of 25 ways to take care of yourself. And then one is a, a humorous kind of personal essay about, you know, self-care gone awry disasters. Yeah. Yeah. So part of our launch was this, um, series on self-care and 25 ways to practice kind of pulled from, uh, both staffers and also some celebrities. Issa Rae talks about making her hot toddy and those essays are, you know, embedded in that list. And they, so they link out to the, the essays. And the one I think you're referring to is, um, by Jenna Wortham, who's a amazing writer. And she wrote a little bit about self-care and, and her yoga practice back in August, um, as a, as a way of kind of coping with election anxiety. And, um, so I was super excited to have her contribute to the launch because she, uh, she also, has done this amazing um, kind of one-off every now and then series called Bloop, which is, um, you know, are you familiar with Goop, Jenneth, Gwyneth yes. Paltrow's Goop yes. um, for black women? Um, and she has a great newsletter about wellness as well. So anyway, she wrote that essay about kind of falling into that trap of, um, of self-care, meaning that you have to pay for expensive body scrubs and, uh, you know, shower your 
pamper yourself with like all this like you know exotic aromatherapy oils and things like that yeah and maybe for some people that is what makes them feel better or you know practices self-care but for her she you know she talks a lot about kind of setting rules for how you live your life and you know saying no more often and stopping and like you know preparing something eating something that makes you feel good and kind of yeah just more of the mindfulness side of it so going through the site and looking at the social media um the the color palette and also there are some great illustrations and these specific stories after spending some time with healthyish i wondered is this specifically for women because it seems very much focused to women and BA, I'm not quite sure what the demographic is, um, but it seems oftentimes the print issue to be much more um, man-friendly, and this seems to be much more women-focused. I don't know that men talk a lot about self-care sure. and that kind of thing. Though I think they should. <laughs> well, should and do are two completely <laughs> different Verbs definitely for the for the male demographic, but yeah, is is there an intention for this to be a little bit more skewed to a female audience? You know, I think the color palette, I agree, is is feminine, and I think in covering this lifestyle, a lot of the people who we're featuring are female. So, so we're seeing that. I I think we're seeing that same like demographic difference. Um, but at the same time, you know, we are going to be featuring some men like a lot of our some of our profiles of uh for instance gt dave he makes the the famous kombucha the label that everybody knows when they think about kombucha um he's profiled there's a the vegan cheesecake designer i don't know if you are familiar with his instagram he's in la and he designs these vegan cheesecakes with all of these like natural food dyes that look like psychedelic experiences on the tops and um, anyway, and then Seamus Mullen, of course, he's one of our um, columnists. So he's got a very kind of incredible story around food and wellness and, um, and, and you know, is a restaurant chef and a man. So I think, we're, you know, we're, we're striking that balance. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out in terms of the demographics and the clicks and what resonates. Yeah. Um, it will be interesting to see if you get men interested in self-care. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, my, my partner, my boyfriend, while I've been, you know, working on the site has been, uh, I think I would say more and more curious about the things that I'm telling him. It's it's a, not to be too gendered about it, but I do think that, that tra- traditionally men are wary of, of the idea of self-care. Um, they think it's, you know, pointless or don't see the benefit of, of thinking. Of certain about. things. Yeah. 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 So... We need to take a break to hear from our sponsors. And, you know, one thing that is interesting, just as a side note about the launch of Healthyish this week, is you found a great um, bunch of sponsors to come out of the gate with, which is interesting to me in an environment where there's a lot of talk about uh, media getting smaller, media getting smaller across the board because it's hard to draw audience and it's hard to draw attention. And as media gets smaller and titles close or, you know, publishing giants consolidate, you know, a lot of that is driven by, as we know, advertising. Um, and so, you know, to be launching something new with a great list of advertisers, I think is also an interesting, is it a little bit of an anomaly, do you think in the publishing world right now? Or, 
are sponsors interested because it is digital and digital is perceived as having a better reach and opportunity for audience versus print? Mm, that's a good question. I think, um, I don't know because I don't work on the ad side, so this is all speculation, but I think um, Bon Appetit is such a strong brand um, that the food world and like people, advertisers are, um, they, they feel like Bon Appetit has a lot of uh, kind of standing. And when we launched this site, it's very much, a, it's very much a Bon Appetit brand, even though it looks totally different. Like you wouldn't know if you landed on that homepage, oh, this is Bon Appetit. But uh, knowing that it has that kind of background backing behind it and sort of the, the foundation of good cooking and expert tested recipes and uh, and then the subject matter is just so um, it's so of this moment. And I think that there's a need for a site like this and a, a space for it. So I think that advertisers also have realized that and, and responded to it. It's an interesting time for media um, generally right now. I think there's been that long going uh, the long and ongoing discussion and point of view about just the evolution of media and it's sort of downsizing, yeah. you know, it's certainly for print in a digital world. So there's been that trajectory of, I'm not going to say struggle, but, you know, definite economic concerns. And then also with publishing tied to, you know, sponsors and dollars, what kinds of things we get to see or hear and who we get to hear from. Mm -hmm. I think an, an, another interesting layer that's been added since the election in November and specifically over the course of the past, I'm going to say 10 days, um, media and, you know, freedom of the press and freedom of speech and all those kinds of things have really bubbled up as primary news stories. And in some cases, primary concerns where people start to spend their money in terms of uh, where the consumer starts to spend their money in terms of purchasing, purchasing media to support it, supporting advertisers and the media that they support. You know, as, as mm -hmm. an example, I just renewed my annual digital subscription to the New York Times because mm -hmm. I think New York Times is great and I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, um, and I want to support them, and um, I think people are starting to be aware of the ecosystem of media, press, who's supporting the media, subscribers, and advertisers. So it's a, I mean, it has nothing to do with, you know, having a really yummy uh, lunch bowl at your desk. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's an interesting thing when you're launching new media, like to this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think people had, a, after the election, I think, I, as someone in media, felt really disillusioned and frustrated by the media. Um, and so I think the first impulse, at least that I had, was, you know, I, why should I be consuming media that told me the wrong thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, where did the New York Times go wrong? Where did we go wrong? And um, then I think that slowly evolved to realize, like, okay, we need to support the institutions, the media institutions that are doing that, like trying to do that work and who are now seem threatened more than ever. Yeah, it's um, interesting. Um, and the way we support that is like, you know, like I said, I just renewed my subscription to the New York Times. I think Teen Vogue is doing a great job online and on they? their website yeah. and their blog. And it was like, I want to support Teen Vogue. I'm a little out of their age range. <laughs> so I bought a subscription for my niece who's 13. Yeah, that's um, great. And I don't know that she's necessarily thinking about, you know, the 
really politicized news that they're promoting, but I'm sure she'll be really happy to get it and, you know, look at jeans and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, And I think also, you know, sometimes going digital helps brands, I think, and people always think, oh, it's they shuttered the magazine and that's a bad thing. But if you look at, you know, Self, for example, recently you know, announced no longer going to be in print, but they relaunched their website and, um, they did an amazing launch job with the launch, like kind of similar to what we did with self care. They did, I forget what it was actually called, but it was about body confidence and, um, you know, they're just, they're paying attention, you know, and sometimes the digital is the best format to, to reach the demographic that they want to reach. So I noted that, um, and we are gonna, we are now going to go to our sponsor break. I noted that Whole Foods was one of your lead sponsors, and Whole Foods has also been a longtime supporter of Heritage Radio Network. And when we talk about supporting uh, media and freedom of speech and voices and conversations, you may or may not know that Heritage Radio Network is a .org. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, and that means that we subsist entirely on sponsors and underwriters and members. And, you know, this year, right now, you know, more than ever, if you like the place to have conversations about farm news and restaurant news and what's happening in school lunch and in media and in tech, now would be a great time to go to the website, click the beating heart, and, you know, throw us a few dollars because, um, you know... Good conversations and information are part of, you know, what make the world go around. So let's see who's on our team this week helping us get that done. Today's program is brought to you by Egg Restaurant. For over 10 years, Egg has focused on making the best breakfasts in New York with a menu that combines southern-inflected classics like biscuit, grits, and country ham with dishes like duck hash, chorizo, and eggs, pancakes dripping with Vermont maple syrup, and more vegetables than you ever dreamed of eating before noon. But what gets them up every morning at Egg is something different. It's the chance to improve everything they encounter, the lives of the people who work with them, the lives of their customers, the health of their local economy, and the soil their food is grown in. Their interest in food goes way beyond what they put on your plate. Food touches on everything they care about, flavor, health, social justice, art and literature, agriculture, and ecology. It's one of the reasons Egg Restaurant is so happy to support Heritage Radio, who digs into everything that matters every week. For more information, visit eggrestaurant.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today we are talking about the brand new, freshly just launched website called healthyish.com. It's a new digital magazine platform. What are we calling it? Yeah, I'm calling it a site. It's also a brand and it's actually, it's behealthyish.com. Okay. Um, we, yeah, we couldn't get healthyish, so we want be healthyish, but the, all of the social media handles, um, at least Twitter and Instagram are healthy underscore ish. So, um, you can find us there. So that launched on Tuesday. It did. It's been up and live for a full 48 hours. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. And it's basically about using food to 
have a better quality of life is I think Bon Appetit is also, um, and Epicurious also, just if we want to talk about, you know, online and food properties at Condé Nast. What specifically makes this more health? Well, I think we are speaking to people who think about their health, um, maybe more so than the Bon Appetit audience or the Epicurious Epicurious audience, not to say that those readers aren't like at all interested in health, but, um, you know, the, the focus there with Bon Appetit is really, um, elevating your home cooking and teaching you skills for how to cook better at home and, um, taking tips from chefs at, you know, the restaurants that we love and kind of entertaining and, and that life. And I think, Healthy-ish is also for the home cook. We have tons of recipes, and they all come out of the Bon Appetit test kitchen, so they're you know the same level of quality. But we're also more of a reporting site. Like we are really interested in in covering trends in the health and wellness space that relate to food. So um, you know that could be restaurants, but it's also you know ingredient focused. Like what are um, for instance, what is mushroom coffee? Why are people drinking it? Um, what is mushroom coffee and why are people drinking it? So mushroom coffee is... This is um, a sidebar. David, do you know what mushroom coffee is? Coffee made with mushrooms? <laughs> I think you might have had a sponsor a few weeks ago or sometime in December who was um, a producer of powdered mushrooms, mushroom powder. Yes. Um, so... Yeah, it's basically powdered mushrooms, like the types that you'll not, you know, shiitake is not the kind you cook with, but um, shaga, reishi, um, cordyceps, some of these um, more kind of smaller uh, variations that are become powder and um, cafes are doing all kinds of things. Sometimes they're stirring them into coffee, but sometimes they're making non-caffeinated beverages with them, um, lattes of, of various kinds. Um, and there's all these sort of antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that, um, the mushrooms have. So that was partially right. right? You were not wrong. You were not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So things like that. And you know, that's not in every cafe across the country. It's like popping up in, in LA, as you can imagine. And I don't even know of a place in New York that's serving it, but you can, you know, get these mushrooms and make it at home. You can order them on the internet if you want to. So, you know, there's, there's stuff that's like, wow, what's, what's going on out there in like the West coast or in, you know, these like in this world and, and we can kind of try it ourselves and, and, you know, we're just like a very curious brand, I would say. So, are you then able to cover things in a more real-time fashion because you are online and you are digital when you talk about reporting or trends or things like that? What kind of, um, what's your runway time frame in terms of, you know, sitting at your desk with your staff talking about stories to getting something live online? Yeah, well, the, we're going to kind of see how it goes. I mean, we just launched and we've been working on the content for the first couple weeks we've been working on that since november you know assigning stories and really kind of figuring out what the the feel of the site will be and what kind of content is important to us so um long lead time on that and but as we get going i think we're going to be much more of a um much more dynamic and much more um kind of breaking news and and but it is a line you know we're not a news site we're not you know we're not a 
sort of real time blog, like the aesthetic of the site and the, the, you know, photography is really important to us. So it's, you know, it's a, um, it's always a balance that we're, that we're going to try to strike of, of how immediate is this coverage going to be and, and how is it going to look on the site? What are some of the news and trends coming up that you're really interested in looking at? Um, so we have a piece about uh, chefs cooking with ghee um, and, and um, also just some small batch producers of ghee. Um, it's growing a lot in popularity uh, as a really high smoke point. Um, does ghee have lactose in it? It doesn't. Um, See, I wonder if, if, do they talk about that? Is that related? I have a friend who's lactose intolerant and we were talking about ghee yeah. as being a potentially good substitute. Right. So ghee, um, it's clarified butter, but the process through which it's clarified is different from the French style, uh, classic cl- clarified butter. And, um, it, yeah, it's, it's better for people who have lactose intolerance. It's also, um, you know, it's just a flavorful way to cook anything really. And it, and it has a, a high smoke point similar to, um, coconut oil, but without that intensity of the flavor of coconut. So I've been cooking with it. It's I've also been, chef's shelf stable, right? It's shelf stable. Yeah. Um, and it's really versatile. You know, people are stirring it into their coffees, the paleo, you know, bullet, bullet coffee. Are you doing that next to what the mushroom coffee is and then <laughs> right. sidebar? <laughs> it's, there is so much beverage content in the healthy-ish space. It's, you know, a lot of tea stuff, a lot of alternatives to coffee, latte, turmeric lattes. People are really, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good time for, for drinks of all kinds. Cocktails, too. Kombucha cocktails. I wonder if that's because beverages are so ritualized in their experience. You know, when you have a beverage, whether it's coffee or tea or a juice, you know, there's always a ritual around it, typically. You know, a time of day you always do it, a way that you make it or brew it or serve it, even if it's at your desk or at home in the morning. Do you think there's an appeal in the the ritual process of all these beverages that appeal to the I do the, the wellness category sort of turning your morning beverage into something more than a morning beverage? Yeah, I do. I think there's also a lot an interest in, you know, moving away from things like caffeine and alcohol. So, if you're going to be if you're trying to drink less coffee and trying to drink less booze, like what are you substituting? You're, you might try a mushroom latte, a mushroom coffee without caffeine, or you might try, you know, a mocktail made with um, kombucha instead of... Kombucha does have a tiny, tiny amount of alcohol in it, it though. It does, yeah. But so I, you're looking for zero. Right. Not kombucha. I, it's yeah. trace. Trace. Yeah. Enough to have to have it on the label. Right. It has enough alcohol to have to have an alcohol warning on the label. Yeah, we actually spoke with a nutritionist recently, I think, about how much kombucha you'd have to drink to, like, really feel it. (laughs) Because GT Dave, the kombucha master... GT Dave, not to be confused with... DT Dave. Well, I've got a surprise for you. (laughs) Double life. Oh, my goodness. You have some twin brother who's... Why do you think I need the uh, secret search engine? Oh, it's it's interesting. Nobody knows GT Dave's real like if that's his real name. Like the internet doesn't know. Sure, his real name is like Norman. Yeah, 
uh, anyway, he, you know, he said in an interview that he drank um, two gallons a day of his own to test it because he's on the line, like testing the product every day. And wow, we, we all thought, I, I don't think I could drink two gallons of any liquid in a 24 hour period. Right. Two gallons is a lot volume wise yeah. of anything. Right. I have a hard time getting to like two liters of water a day. I know. Same. I keep a big, I basically like a, like a bodybuilder size jug of water next to my That's desk. That's the gallon then. The yeah. Bodybuilders are doing the gallon. Right. It's a kind of, maybe it's a miniature version. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get through it. So anyway, he said that and we thought, oh my God, he just must be wasted. Like that's so much kombucha to be drinking. Um, so yeah, we're looking into it. I'll be excited <laughs> to hear what the result of that is. Yeah. Maybe, maybe someone can do a Morgan Spurlock type of thing where I just drank kombucha for 30 days and here's what happened. Yeah. I want to, yeah, it'd be a great video. Even if it was just like one night, like how many drinks of kombucha can you, can you get yeah, down? How long can you just drink kombucha? There's that guy, happens? the fermented man who's been a guest on heritage radio. He ate nothing but fermented foods for a year. How, how did he do? I think he did all right. Yeah. He seemed healthy. Yeah. He from, probably has really good gut flora. Yeah. He does. Yeah. <laughs> We do have a show on Heritage called Ferment About It, right? Ferment About It. Ferment About It, which is a show about fermentation. What show, do you, can you tell us when that's on, Dave? That is Monday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Fantastic. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We have it all here. Yeah, we're, we have a big, um, the February issue, which is the healthiest issue of Bon Appetit, has a big feature on fermentation, too. So, yeah, everything to everything should be fermented, I think. Well, and when we put it under the fermentation category in, in modern food speak, we're talking about kombucha and kimchi and pickling. But for all of the old school food people, f- fermented food is basically, you know, rotting food also. So it's like the sauerkrauts and... Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that's good, cheese and yeast starters mm-hmm. and... And vegan cheese is fermented nuts, um, which I learned recently for another story that we'll be running. We sent a cheese expert, um, Tia Keenan, who has written about... She's written a book about cheese and as a professional cheesemonger, uh, we had her try vegan cheeses, the artist, like the artisanal ones, not the, you know, kind of highly processed stuff that you find in a lot of grocery stores but she she tried all these nut cheeses and kind of gave her her reviews of them um but yeah those that's usually fermented cashews often lots to talk about yeah so who is your um dream writer do you have a my dream podcast guest still to this day is barack obama Mm -hmm. mostly because we're both from hawaii but also you know, I've listened to him on other podcasts. He's a great conversationalist. Yeah. Um, so maybe now that he has more free time. Um, get him in here. Get him in here. Do you have a, a dream writer that you, somebody you'd love to have write for your site? Well, I actually, for the regular website, I wrote an ode to Michelle Obama's um, granola bar recipe, which ran, I think, in the New York Times back in 2010. Um, I mean, she really is, I think, the epitome of healthy-ish. Um, Healthy-ish, stylish. Yeah, exactly. She really, she's, now that I think about it, it didn't even occur to me how much she's she's on brand until now, actually. But um, yeah, she's got the lifestyle and she's got the attitude and she's like her, you know, 
super active and um, strikes yeah. me as very well organized. Not yeah. a lot of time to waste. Right, efficient. Those granola bar recipe, those granola bars though, they always fell apart. Every time I made them, they fell apart. But they were so good that I just kept like I just you know still love them to death. So the thing is like she's so perfect in every way except for these granola bars. Um, but they're still delicious. Well, then that makes her human. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so would she be your dream writer then to have her write something for you? Oh my God. Of course. Yeah. I think, uh, is she, is she the dream writer? Is there somebody who's like number one on your slot? Um, you know, I was thrilled that we got the, uh, essay from Jenna Wortham and that we got Gia Tolentino to write, a essay for us as well for the launch and um tamar adler uh wrote the a third and i think gia and jenna in particular are the type of writer that i want to bring to the site because they're not food writers but they are they're culture writers and they are amazing writers and i think when you bring in people who aren't you know who food writing isn't their full-time job and ask them you know what they have to say about food um you often get really interesting answers. yeah really interesting answers because it's you know it's a thing everybody thinks about not everybody it's not everybody's work but everybody deals with food and and so to get outside perspective like that i think um is really cool and that's my i mean my background too is not in not specifically in food so i'm always curious to see you know what people can come in and make of it So when I was doing my internet stalking, like I do for all my guests, to research a little before I have them sitting across from me, I came across a great article that Amanda wrote for GQ in October 2016. You used to be a fact checker at GQ, which is an episode unto itself from the beginning of this show, from the very, then we're going into the third year. This is the third year of Tech Bytes, which is very exciting. I've been wanting to do a show about fact-checking, recipe testing, nutritional facts for food media and writing in the digital age because fact-checking and recipe testing and also those kinds of things, they've morphed into something very different than they used to be. Um, The fact-checking article is really interesting in terms of, you know, looking at the world through a very specific lens, especially now it's very timely. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that article just kind of came out of me. I, I remember watching, I forget which of the debates it was, um, and reading all of the coverage leading up to it, um, and following Twitter while it was happening. And people kept saying like, you know, fact check, like this isn't true or this is, this is like, you know, this isn't the real story and, and like, remember to always be fact checking and, and like the idea of fact checking, I think I'm got kind of lost in that whole conversation, like what it actually means and who, you know, what it takes to do it. Um, I was trained by the director of research at GQ. Um, his name is Luke Zaleski and he is a life sort of a career fact checker. Um, and his whole kind of the way I was taught to, to fact check is like, you pick up the phone and you call somebody and then you call somebody else and then you call somebody else and you get it, you get the answer from three different directions, you know, people who are experts in the field and, and you might get three different answers and you have to kind of synthesize that information and figure out how to 
write in, in, in the case of you know, fact-checking for a magazine, how can we make this sentence or this section um, as honest as we can, given the information we have? It's not black and white, and it takes a lot of work. And so this idea that you, know, you can just fact-check something on Twitter um, was kind of frustrating to me and frustrating to other people I knew in that, in that space. Do you apply your fact-checking skills and point of view as an editor now? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it's a very difficult. Uh, it's a very difficult thing to leave or get rid of once you start to work in that environment and look at things that way. Yeah, it's hard not to, for sure. Um, you know, it's. I wish that the web, that websites could have full-time fact checkers. We don't. At GQ, they didn't. We were working only on print. So um, that's one of the things that's a problem, I think, about the fact that so much news has moved online because the copy editing and the fact-checking and all that back-end stuff hasn't moved with it. Um, so, yeah, we do the best we can, and we really rely on our writers to fact-check themselves, and that's something that, you know, I think writers should do, should should be better about, really, is, um, you know, being their own, their own fact-checkers. Be your own fact-checker, people. Yeah. And probably not just for writers, but there's a lot of things that have to do with, you know, facts and point of view. If you work in advertising and marketing and media and writing and radio and um, information, it's, it's becoming more and more important. Yeah. We are out of time. And if you want to spend more time with Amanda, she is at AS Word Maven on her social media. She's also at amandashapiro.com. That's her personal shingle out on the internet. If you want to be healthy-ish, go to behealthyish.com or on social media, they are at healthy underscore ish. And we're, we're excited to see how it's going to happen and roll out. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. It's really exciting to be here. Well, we're glad to have you come back. Maybe we'll have you come back and we'll do that fact-checking recipe testing episode because I'm very interested in that. For sure. And to our listeners out there, let us know what you're interested in. We're always available and interactive on social media. We are at TechBytesHRN on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you want to send an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. If you want my undying love and a shout out on the radio and to keep voices and conversations alive in the world, go to heritageradionetwork.org, click the beating heart, make a donation. And if you designate your donation to Tech Bytes, I'll send you something special. Promise. I'm Jennifer Leitze. This is Tech Bytes. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. 
Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 